If you're going through hard times and looking for a way out, it's important to know that life isn't an Olympic figure skating event. There are no points for difficulty. You either stay stuck or escape. That's why you deserve to take the path of least resistance. Any voices telling you that's not allowed are not voices invested in your freedom. My name is John Oakes, and this is The Easy Way Out. Hey everybody, it's John here again. Um, this week I'll be uploading another sort of section of that interview that I talked about last week. If you don't know what interview I'm talking about, here's a little bit of background. So because I've been so pressed for time the last few months, it's been hard to, to make dedicated podcasts, but I've been recording a lot of content for short form content, like for Instagram, TikTok, stuff like that. Uh, and I've been doing it with a young Spanish guy named Will. Um, and he, he asks questions that will hopefully rank well for SEO. And then he does an interview and then he edits all the video to make content for me. But I realized that most people were not going to end up seeing a lot of the questions I answer for him. So I thought that I'd share that with you all whole cloth, you know, getting to hear my answers to his questions. And hopefully you will get some value out of these, this random assortment of answers to, that I give to his questions. If you have questions you'd like to ask me, you can write me at john at oaksweightloss.com. That's O-A-K-E-S weightloss.com. And yeah, just put subject line question for podcast. I would love to answer a bunch of your questions uh, for the next podcast. And that way that'll help me make a dedicated podcast episode. Cause sometimes I, I have so many things I could talk about that there's just like a log jam and I, I sit down to podcast and I just clam up because I don't, <laughs> I don't know where to start. So if you give me specific questions, it helps me get going. And then, you know, once I get going, Hey, try and stop me. So if even one of you reaches out and asks a question over email, that will help me <laughs> help you. It will help me create more podcast content for you all. Um, thank you for listening. If you're listening to this, you're a hardcore. And so, because there's not a whole lot of, not a whole lot of new people coming in right now. I don't upload this regularly. So I'd really do appreciate you listening when you do see it pop up in your feed. Uh, I know this isn't sort of dedicated podcast content, but hopefully you find it useful and hopefully it gets us back in the rhythm of you hearing from me once a week in your podcast feed. So without further ado, here is part two with my interview with Will. I hope it's helpful and hopefully I will hear from you soon. What's healthy and, and what is going to be in, aligned with your values and how you're going to find yourself, I think it's by trying to finding the solution of not being discomfortable anymore with that emotion, right? Actually tackling that discomfort. Why am I being so... Um, reactive or like why do I want to escape from feeling this so badly right and why do I don't want to feel this what am I you know and, and how can I start um, kind of like um, or you know feeling differently with this emotion how can I stop from you know feeling feeling that and what actions can take me there yeah that's that a good the question path. on that so one impulse, if you notice that you're having emotions that you are uncomfortable with and that are causing you to jump into a compulsive behavior, it's easy to go, okay, why is this here? Why are you here? What do I do about you? Rather than just be there with it. So you don't have to figure out what to do about the emotion. You don't have to figure out how to feel about the emotion. You can just feel the emotion. 
most people don't know how to feel their emotions <laughs> because they've only ever been overwhelmed by their emotions. If they're, if they're noticing an emotion, it's because it's overwhelming them and they, they don't want to be there for it. But most people have never turned toward an emotion that's uncomfortable and willingly been there with it or for it. One, one way to feel your feelings that is kind of a, a, a hack, I guess you could say, an easier way in is just to try to occupy the same space. Be in the car with the feeling. Be in the room with the feeling. Be in your body with the feeling. It doesn't mean you're letting the feeling wash over you and control you. Or uh, it doesn't mean that you're letting the feeling wash over you and overwhelm you. But you're building comfort with it. And if, if you do that for five seconds, and then you go eat, or then you go do your compulsive behavior, you've built five seconds worth of comfort. You've gotten your foot in the door. And next time you can do 10 seconds, and next time you can do a minute, and then after that, pretty soon, you're gonna build enough comfort with this emotion so that when it comes up, you don't need to solve the presence of the emotion. The presence of the emotion can just be, and now you're not reacting to it anymore. And so things can just be as they are. We don't need to make the emotion go away. We need to um, deconstruct our reaction to the behavior, or to, we need to deconstruct our reaction to the emotion based on the delusion that this emotion signals danger. Because at some point in your life, and this is why you need to be compassionate to this stuck emotion, at some point in your life, bad things happened around this emotion. This emotion cropped up at a time when you were being abused or neglected, or you couldn't figure out how to get your needs met, or something happened outside of everybody's control, you know, a tragedy, and you associate that feeling with powerlessness. You associate loneliness with powerlessness and abandonment. You associate anxiety with um, some terrible thing is gonna happen, right? And these things aren't true. These emotions can come up for any number of reasons and pass away for any number of reasons. And we don't need to fix them. Um, if we're willing to be present with them, they can, our brain can see that we are seeing the emotion which is most of what the brain needs. It needs you to see the signals it is sending you so that you can pilot the ship. And one other thing you can do when you're spending time with your emotions or, or occupying space with your emotions is listen to them. Because every emotion is bringing along a little packet of information that the mm -hmm. subconscious mind gathered. And you, if you learn what the brain has gathered, right? So-and-so did this and it's unfair because of this reason and that's why i'm angry if you can listen to the emotion and understand why it's there then you will have accomplished more of the mission of the emotion and you don't have to react mm -hmm. because once your brain sees it okay you got the message now the emotion can pass away if you take some sort of assertive action based on it and it does not need to be the reactive compulsive action that perhaps the emotion suggested when it first popped up. So here's the other side of feeling your feelings. There's an offensive side. It's not just playing defense. It's not just, ah, fuck, get away, feelings, ah, shit, right? It's <laughs> eventually when you build comfort with your feelings, all of a sudden you have access to this trove of information that's coming to you. So when you're able to be with your feelings and process your feelings, you're learning all the bits of information that those feelings are coming to you with. And so this increases your perception, increases your awareness, and awareness is what really drives long-term change. Awareness is what helps you make 
the smartest decisions in your life, you're gonna be more perceptive and more aware than the other people at your job. You're gonna to start to outperform them. You're gonna be more perceptive and more aware in your relationship. Your relationship is mm -hmm. going to prosper because of it. You're gonna be more aware and more perceptive in the world of your finances. You're gonna see opportunities that you normally would have missed and you're gonna see potential dangers that you normally would have missed. Mm -hmm. So being there with your emotions ends up being a massive superpower. And this is how we end up cultivating that inner compass which is really keeping our emotional channels open and being willing and able to learn from them and then benefiting um, with a sense of direction and purpose from the things we learn from our emotions. <laughs> Moving on uh, to the next question, what, what's easier, being sever severely obese or being fit and why? What's easier, being fit or being severely overweight? Being fit is easier. I've been both. I can tell you being fit is objectively easier. And that's not to say that fit people are not working hard uh, and deserve the things that they have. It's just to say that psychologically, a severely overweight person is suffering. They're usually dealing with unresolved adverse childhood experiences, unresolved trauma. They feel unseen. They're constantly afraid. They're constantly afraid of judgment. They're isolating. It takes massive effort to do everything. They can't buy clothes at a normal store. They can't fit in the booth at the restaurant. They can't go on an airplane and take a trip. They can't get in and out of their car very easily. Every time they go up the stairs, they're worried about blowing out a knee. It is mentally exhausting. It is socially exhausting. Um, it's not to say that, oh, we should pity overweight people, but we should have a little bit of compassion because part of the reason they're struggling with the weight issue is the massive emotional pain that comes along with gaining weight. Um, and part of the massive emotional pain that comes along with gaining weight is the societal stigma that we assign to people who are overweight. Because we say, oh, this must be a character issue. They must not work hard. They must want it to be this way. And all those things are complete horseshit. And one of the ways you can know that being obese is harder than being fit is look at the basal metabolic rate of somebody who is walking around at 400 pounds versus somebody who's walking around at 200 pounds. They are literally burning more calories. It is literal it is literally more work to operate in a big body than it is in a fit body. And that's not to say it's better, but yes, it is harder to be overweight. It sucks. Hmm. And people who are overweight, they know that already. And that's why they want out. Hmm. I want to ask you about, man, you know, this brings me to the question, like, what are your thoughts? Because you said, you know, we got to have a little bit of compassion with overweight people and whatnot, which I agree completely and part of the reason why they are severely overweight is is, is, pro is is because of the societal stigma right um, however there are some people that say that you know body shaming or like fat shaming stuff like that <clears throat> like actually not like bullying not bullying but like you know calling overweight people out can be really helpful to some not to say that I agree with that but I want your take on that. I, I want your answer to those people that may say, hey, I mean, I think, because there's a lot, I mean, actually, there's a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say a vast majority, but there's a bunch of people, a good chunk of people that they think that way, whether they, you know, communicate it or not, right? I mean, fat shaming or body shaming, it's 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 a real thing and it happens daily, uh, or at least, you know, from my experience, that's what I can tell. Um, so just, yeah, want to know your thoughts on that. 
So, I'm familiar with the voices in popular culture that, that are sometimes jokingly, sometimes seriously saying that we need to shame fat people because that's how they'll get better. Um, I listen to these podcasts too. I, they're some of my favorite comedians, um, but I vehemently disagree with this. Uh, let's take Tom Segura, for example. Tom Segura is known for, for taking this line uh, partially because that's his, that's his shtick, partially because he, he says himself that being shamed for his weight helped him make changes. But if you look at, Tom has lost an incredible amount of weight. He looks awesome. But what prompted that? Tom had a massive accident, broke his whole shit, and had to reevaluate, holy cow, if I don't make changes, I could easily be crippled for the rest of my life. Being overweight is part of the reason I had this accident. It made him reevaluate his values. I don't think, respectfully, that it's the shaming that caused Tom to change his actions. I think it was Tom being forced to reflect on his deepest values because of the trauma he went through in that accident, realizing how fragile life is, that he decided to make act, that he decided to start taking actions that were more in line with his true values rather than his temporary appetites. Yeah, that's so, a great. No, clip I right don't there. think that I don't think that bullying uh, overweight people or shaming them is helpful in for the vast majority of people. Maybe there's an exception here or there, but for the vast majority of people, it's just harmful. Um, it's just a way for other people to take out their frustrations on overweight people. And honestly, it's immature. And yeah, if you think you're some alpha male and you, you need to bring other people down, you're not an alpha male. Sorry. You need to bring them up. You need to bring them up and actually, however, I mean, I don't know, man. I feel like my, my take on that is that you just, man, take care of your shit and, and people will take care of theirs. You know what I mean? Like yeah. do your stuff, right? I mean, I would never yeah, try to you you know, have get involved into if you don't have compassion for people who are hurting, uh, people in, who are overweight, people who are addicted, people who are homeless, at least hmm. shut the fuck up. You don't have yeah, to. At least. You don't have to be Mother Teresa, but at least yeah, shut right. the fuck up, because you don't know how to tie your own shoes half the time. You definitely don't know what other people need to do. Worry about your own shit, okay? <clears throat> yeah, you don't um, have something it's... helpful to say. Don't talk. Ne you don't need to ne be negative. spouting off on on social media how you know, fat people need to solve their problems and how poor people need to solve their problems with such judgment and like venom. A teacher who really wants to help you does not speak to you with venom. And so that's why you need yeah. to stop listening to social media influencers who are trying to scream at you and yell at you and shame you into being better because they're just, they're just creating cycles of abuse that keep people coming back. It's Stockholm syndrome. People want daddy to give them a hug. So that's why they follow these these angry assholes um, and telling themselves that, that this is some font of deep wisdom. It's like, I'm sorry, you can get wisdom from kind people too and it'll be easier to digest because that kind person actually wants you to succeed. The angry, venomous person on social media, they don't give a fuck about you. They want to make money off you most of the times, actually. Yeah, they want to make money <laughs> off of you. That's it. They want you to buy their stuff and they're going to shame you into buying their stuff. Buy my book, that's you piece right. of shit. That's basically yeah. it. You gotta fix your life, and that's why you need to buy my fucking book. <laughs> like that type of psychology reverse. I don't know, man. That's fucked up. But um, yeah. Moving moving on to the next question. Um, can you tell me about some of these self talk and feelings you used to have um with being obese? So self talk. Um, so when I was really overweight, 
my self-talk usually revolved around, holy shit, this is a problem. We need to fix the problem. What should we do? How, where's the solution? I was just constantly in a panic and constantly keeping myself running around in circles, exhausting myself, stealing the energy I needed to just do the things I wanted to do and live the life I wanted to live. And honestly, I don't tell people to lose weight the way I did because a lot of what I did was motivated by terror and shame. I was in a life or death situation. And that's part of the reason I, I kept going because I literally looked back and said, there's just hell and death behind me. Um, so that's not always the healthiest most balanced approach and I've spent pretty much every day since losing the weight trying to heal that and recreate balance um, because I motivated my weight loss so much out of adverse emotions that I was trying to run from but with self-talk a lot of our self-talk if you boil it down it's this is a problem we need to fix this now or else terrible things are going to happen so what do we do and it ends up with what do I do what do I do? What do I do? And then if you notice, most of your social media feed, most advertising is trying to answer that question. The what do I do question, which there isn't an answer for. Because how do I solve my problem in a dead panic? You're not going to solve problems that way. Do you want your mechanic to work on your car with a, with a gun to his head and a, and a stopwatch? It says fix the car. By the, by the time the stopwatch goes off or I'm going to shoot you in the head? Do, do you think you're going to get the best mechanical work done on your car? No. Why do you think that that approach is going to work for you with changing your life, losing weight? Pressuring the situation does not create a better product. And that's why most self-talk creates needless urgency. It, it reflects like, yes, I, I don't like where my, my weight is at. My health isn't great. I if I go on this way, my life will be shorter. But saying I need to solve this today, that's not actually going to improve your lot. That's not actually going to improve your chances for a long, healthy life. It's actually going to keep you in the cycle that's been creating that unhealthy body for years and years and years. And you need to get out of the cycle if you want to change the result. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, touching on uh, that as well. How long did it take you to lose those 200 pounds? And what would you say helped you the most to not quit on the way and stay consistent with healthy habits? You mentioned shame and, 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 and kind of like, you know, reactive thoughts was a big part of it. Uh, yeah, just want to hear your thoughts on that. So it took me a little under two years to lose 200 pounds. I didn't lose 200. I think I lost 196. Sue me. Um, but it took me just under two years to lose almost 200 pounds. I had a very Spartan and rigid program. Part of the reason it worked, I didn't count calories. I just ate the exact same thing every day. And I did the exact same exercise routine week to week. Um, I don't recommend people do that, but it worked for me because it was do it or don't like, it's very simple, right? It was, there was nothing to think about. It was just get up, do it make it do it first thing in the morning so it's done and i actually think that that's a great way to go about it get your exercise in in the morning if you historically have had a hard time fitting that into your life um and then once you've exercised hard in the morning the rest of the day you have more incentive to stay on your eating plan because you're like oh, i don't want to waste that workout i did this morning i want that to add to my weight loss um but overall my my attitude toward weight loss was fear-based 
I thought that if I didn't do things super rigidly, that if I took any latitude or if I took a break or if I, if I subbed out one food for another with the same caloric intake, that it would somehow screw up my, um, my weight loss. I was so riddled by fear that a, a lot of superstitions and just silliness took over. And that's what happens when you motivate yourself with fear. And I've had to work every day since then to undo a lot of that fear-based thinking around my own health. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, fine, right? It, it's like your experience gives you the, the credentials as well. Like, hey, I, I've done it wrong. I know why I done it. Like, why I did it wrong, and I, I've healed from that. So now let me let me help you with you know <laughs> how to do it the right way, right? Because you're gonna enjoy it way more, and it's gonna be it's gonna be actually a a, a way more enjoyable process against right and more effective um relating to that a lot of people get motivated to lose weight for the social perks it comes with because there's plenty of them to be to be fair i mean (laughs) uh that's you know goes without saying but do you think there is a better alternative to this and if so what is it and and why most importantly why do you think it's bad to be motivated by these social perks that come with losing weight even when doing so we know that you know we all like to enjoy them right so yeah so is it healthy to be motivated by the social perks that come along with losing weight yes and no generally speaking it's not a great motivator because um well let's first say people do treat you a little better when you're not massively obese people do there's less stigma people are more willing to engage in conversation they they will look at you more like you're human that's just true um it's not always true a lot of people are going to treat you the exact same what's also true is that when you lose the weight a lot of times your personal sense of shame and your need to hide from the world and your need to constantly apologize for your presence in your body language and in the way you speak that goes away and so really what changes is the way you are approaching the world and a lot of your self-confidence came with a shift in your belief about yourself that you ascribe to, oh, I lost the weight, so I'm allowed to have this shift in belief. But I've seen this with clients who sometimes are able to have that shift in belief early on, and then they go, great, I don't need to lose the weight. And it's like, hold on, you're 460 pounds. You, you're not happy with this, right? And they're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not. But it, once they realize that so much of their dating prospects, their work life, Uh, their social life improved massively with a shift in their view of themselves without having to lose the weight, a big part of their shame-based or outcome-based motivation went away. And they were able to focus more on their innate reasons for wanting to be healthier, not so that it could get them love or attention or to be seen or to feel safe. Hmm. That's 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 someone... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Thought you were. If someone does lose weight to change the opinions of others about them, it runs the risk of making your pursuit of health more about people pleasing, which for many overweight people is already a big thing. I noticed this. I, I didn't expect this to be a thing when I first started getting into coaching, but it's across the board. One of the commonalities is feeling like you need to control the emotions of other people. That's part of why we get so exhausted thinking, oh, this person can't be mad at me. I can't, I can't have this person be upset at me. I've got to make sure everybody's okay with me. I've got to make sure that I'm perfect and um, pleasing everyone. 
so that I'm safe. And that's part of the reason we get exhausted and we arrive home every night, beat down, completely depleted, and we don't have any uh, energy left to because choose our values over temporary uh, indulgences. Um, <laughs> and this need to please other people, if that's motivating your weight loss, it can also end up motivating your rebound. Because when you lose the weight and you find out, oh, I still have to work so hard to please other people, you're going to go, well, why did I lose the weight? Once you, once you, when you motivate yourself with false things to lose the weight, this is a big reason people rebound because they get there and they go, oh, I don't love myself anymore now that I'm thin. Um, I'm uncomfortable with being healthy because this makes me feel unsafe. It, if you motivate yourself with these things, they will motivate your rebound as well. Yeah.